0: Brilliant. Uh, let me have my welcome to, to Mark's. It's really great to uh, be with you. My name is Rich. If we haven't met, my name, my name is Rich. I'm a pastor here um, at Lions Down Church. And it's a great joy and privilege to be helping us to walk through this most magnificent of chapters in the Bible. Uh, let's pray and ask for God's help though, as we come to it. Our Father God, we... Praise you for what we saw last week, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. We praise you for all that is true because of Jesus and his completed work on the cross. And as we think this morning, as we come back to this this great chapter and we think about how it is that we can be sure that we, that that truth of no condemnation is true for us, please work in us by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Oh man, who's the nicest person you know? Nicest person you know. Let me tell you about the nicest person I know. At least I'm gonna say the nicest person I know of my generation. Because there are probably nicer people of older generations, but that clarity. Anyway, let me tell you about the nicest person I know. His name's Graham. We met at uh, NCT classes, which are uh, what you, um, you can do if you're having a baby and you kind of get taught everything about a baby. Um, We met Graham there, and his wife, and then their child, and became friends with our child, and they had a second child at a similar kind of time as us. Uh, And Graham, he's a teacher, he he loves his job, he um, works well at it, but as soon as the child came along, in one sense, he couldn't care less. He loves his family, and I genuinely loves his family probably as much as anyone I know. Deeply loves his family, just his greatest joy is spending time with his, his children. Uh, lovely, very kind, very warm and welcoming, uh, friendly from, from the word go, thoughtful, uh, asking about how we're doing and caring. Graham is one of the nicest people I know. But as it stands, he's going to help. Why? One of the nicest people I know, and in many, many areas almost kind of shames me, and yet he's going to hell as it stands. You see, we can look at two people's lives one a Christian, one a non Christian, somebody who's not yet trusting in the Lord Jesus for themselves, and their lives can at times look very similar. And indeed, as I said, sometimes the non Christians' lives almost kind of shame us, Christians, and we wish we were more like them. Well, Paul and the verses today that we're looking at explains that there is a fundamental core difference between Christians and those who aren't. Or to use the language of last week, there is a fundamental core difference between those who are in Christ and those who are not. Last week we saw from verse 1 that almost hard to believe but wonderful truth That for those who are in Christ Jesus, that is for those who have been united with him, as we have trusted in his saving work on the cross, we are united to him. For those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. No guilty verdicts. No therefore punishment coming. How can that be? Well, we saw those three reasons. We saw the reason there can be no condemnation for Christians is because sin was condemned in Jesus. He he bore that condemnation himself. And we saw that his work on the cross was applied to Christians as the Spirit sets them free from sin and death. And then Christians are made righteous, that is, uh, uh, justified, innocent in God's sight. Say, so, but who is this for? Well, we saw it's for in Christ, but we also saw actually in verse four, well we didn't see it. I didn't really um, kind of highlight it last week, but do you see in verse four in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who so here's a clarification who's this talking about? Well it's for who walk ac- who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So Paul says that there are two different ways to walk, to live. To live according to the flesh, which I'll explain in a minute, and to walk according to the Spirit, That is, according to the Holy Spirits. And today in these verses, Paul builds on that clarification, that distinction between the two groups. If you've got a a, a handout there, you'll see that it's kind of not my my normal talk notes, as it were. Um, If you haven't got it, it looks something a bit like this. what I've tried to do is to summarise these verses in a kind of diagram form because Paul jumps between these two different ways of life. And so hopefully that helps. If you look at it, you're like, what? Just turn it over and write your notes on the other side. Don't worry. But if it does help for you, hopefully it will. Just to clarify, on the left-hand side, this is as kind of those who walk according to the flesh. On the right-hand side, well, that's those who walk according to the Spirit. And the ones in the middle are my kind of headings. I heard a few mm's, so that's better. Okay. Left flesh, right spirit, middle of the headings. And even just from this little snapshot, and as we're going to see throughout, there's this fundamental difference between the two. And that difference starts off in their nature. Their nature. Have a look at verse 5. For those who walk according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. So we'll get to the minds bit in a moment. But before that, we see that those who live according to the flesh, those who live according to the Spirit. Now the word live isn't actually in the original. It's more kind of fundamental than that. It's those who are according to the spirit, those who are according to the flesh. It, it's, it's their nature, it's who they are deep down. And there are these two completely different natures. You've got the, the nature of the flesh, those who are according to the flesh. Now the flesh isn't just our kind of soft tissue um, that we've, we've got. The flesh is, uh, in the way that Paul uses it, is it's a sin-dominated self a sinful self-centered nature. So the core being of who you are that's what what, what Paul's talking about the flesh that sin dominated self that sinful self-centered nature. That's on the one side. On the other we have those who are according to the spirit whose lives have been invaded by the Holy Spirit at conversion as he came in and as he set free from the power of sin and death and brought us into this new realm of life, those who are according to the Spirit. And this is the fundamental difference between Christians, sorry, between those who are not Christians and those who are Christians. It's not a difference of lifestyle or behaviour, it's a difference in nature. It's a fundamental difference in who we are. But how can we tell? Because that is an invisible thing. There is no physical difference. When somebody becomes a Christian, you can't physically see a change and a transformation. They don't look different. You might smile more and we those kind of things, but there's no fundamental thing that we can see. And I've already said that the lives can look different. But the nature, our natures are then worked out in our mindsets. So you can see the, the little arrow, because the point is that our, our, who we are is then worked out in the way, where we set our minds, what our mindsets are. This is where we're going to spend most of our time, on this point, because I think this is the, the, the heart of it, and I say the thing that you can see that is, uh, in one sense, tangible. So, have a look again at verse 5. So, we've already got, we've got these two natures, and now let's see how Paul describes these two natures. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. And minds means more than, than simply our brains, our intellect. Uh, the way Paul uses it similar ways to the way he uses it, the word "heart." Uh, our minds are our, our inner beings, uh, a bit like a, a, our con- control centers, you know, like the bridge on a, on a, a, a giant ship, where the decisions are made, where the, the course is plotted, and where the commands go out from. That 's a bit how, like Paul is using the word mind here, the control center. And this control center expresses that some of our interests, our affections, our preferences, our inclinations. That's what the mind is. And therefore, to set the mind on is to, to have your thoughts absorbed by. Let me kind of put it in more kind of day to day language it's what preoccupies us, the, the ambitions that drive us, the concerns that engross us. That's what it means to set your mind on something. And again, there are these, these two ways. You see from the handout, from the, it's it, the, the nature that is according to the flesh. Well, it sets the mind on the flesh. And we said that the flesh is sin-dominated self, sinful self-centered nature. And so to set your mind on the flesh is, well, to... Go after, to treasure, to be inclined on the things of the flesh, the things that the flesh wants. And what does the flesh love? The flesh loves the self. So the, we love the self. There's self determination. I want to be the one in charge who, who knows, decides what I'm going to do. Self advancement, self promotion. Well, Those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh, on the self. In contrast, you have those who who set their minds on the spirit. Those who, according to the spirit, set their minds on the spirit. They value and prize and treasure and go after and think about things of the spirit. God, his work, his promises, uh, sorry, his priorities, his his desires, his advancements. That's what those who are in the Spirit, who are according to the Spirit, set their minds on. Let me try and, try and bring this into, to, to, uh, again, real day terms for us. A helpful way to think about it is, is, what do you daydream about? Or as I heard it described, I thought quite nicely this week, what do you think about when you're not thinking about anything else? Where does your mind go? When it has the time, where does it wander? I think the kind of things that our minds go to in those times are an indicator of what our minds are set on. Is it things set on the flesh? Comfort, immediate comfort, joys, pleasures, ease? Is it things of the spirit? Now, of course, that is deeply challenging for us. But often our, our minds are set on what we value most, and we can see what our minds are set on by what we often think about. And of course, how we think often works itself out in how we spend our time, our money, our energy. Another way of thinking about it is when your thinking comes into conflict with God's word, who wins? When my, my thinking, my choosing, my willing, my desires clash with God's word in the Bible, what do I do? And these crisis moments can be very small or, or very large, or they show where our mindset is. Again, which in turn shows our real and true nature. Now again, brothers and sisters, please, please remember and notice that real Christians do stumble Real Christians are, are going to think about things in this world. They're going to have concerns in this world. That is not wrong. What Paul is describing here is that, that general pattern, that tendency towards, that priority of. And Paul is saying, those who are in the flesh are going to set their minds on things of the flesh. Whereas those in the spirits are going to set their minds on things of the spirits. That distinction between Christian and non-Christian is a difference of mind, mindset. At their cause, their desires are going to be fundamentally different. That The non-Christian wants what the flesh wants, to, to live in rebellion against God, to live with self in charge. The Christian still sins, of course, but ultimately they want what the spirit wants. William Carey um, is sometimes called the father of modern missions. Um, remarkable uh, remarkable man who, who God used in incredible ways in furthering the gospel throughout the world. Um, he uh, had taken up work as a, um, uh, what's it called? People who make men's shoes. Cobbler, thank you, cobbler. He, he had to work as a cobbler. Um, And and when he decided to to leave that trade and go off on the mission field, one of his employers uh, basically asked him what he was doing. Why why had he chosen to to leave this trade and go on the mission field? Um, William Carey kind of explained that doing so meant risking life. Uh, It meant giving up any chances of advancements within the trade and the wealth, the, the comfort, the security that that brought... He explained of the, the obstacles and the dangers, the lack of pay, the lack of all earthly benefits. I say, and his employer said, You're mad. You are absolutely crazy to do what you're about to do. Well, the reason that that man said that is because he is of the flesh and his mind is set on the flesh. And if your mind is set on the flesh, of course, what on earth are you doing? Leaving a, a trade, security? Uh, money to, to go risk lose that or risk it or risk your very life to go across the world. Why would you? But William Carey, he cared about things of the spirit. He cared about people going to hell. He cared about showing the gospel. He cared about people growing. He cared about people coming to see the Lord Jesus and trusting in Jesus for themselves. But it's not just famous missionaries. You don't have to be a missionary in order to, set, to be setting your mind on the Spirit. No, it's the person who sacrifices uh, their reputation in the office by making a stand for Jesus. Giving up potential promotions and furtherance in order to want to speak of Christ, to set their minds on the flesh. It's the person who, though tired Still comes along week by week, wanting to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) Setting your mind on the Spirit doesn't mean, I say, we all have to up sticks and move and go and serve the Lord over in, in another country somewhere. Of course not. It's where we are. Where we are. Where is your mind set? So the distinction between those who aren't Christians, those who are Christians, well, it's a difference of nature, according to the flesh, according to the spirit, which works itself out in a, in a difference of mindset, or set the mind on things of flesh, set the mind on things of the spirit. And then here, we, the next step, we see the consequence of doing so. If your mind is set on things of the flesh well this is going to be the result if your mind is set on the things of the spirit this is the result this is where this leads verse six for to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace so stark so clear so different those who are in the, according to the flesh and who set their minds on the things of the flesh, well, that is death. Those who are according to the Spirit, who set their minds on the things of the Spirit, life and peace. Do you note two options, no third middle ground, no position of neutrality. Two options, two very, very different destinations, two very different consequences. And the irony is, is that people who are in the flesh so often feel like and think that they're living the life. And it is Christians who are missing out. And that can make us feel like we are missing out too. But it's the other way around. And to set your minds on things of the flesh to be prioritizing things of the flesh and living for things of the flesh is ultimately Death. And then later in chapter 8, Paul is going to describe Christians who uh, suffer. Who now lose actually often so much. But to do so, to set the mind on the Spirit, is life and peace. Life and peace. Life eternally with the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Peace with one another, with other Christians. Radical difference in consequence for these two different, um, two, two different people. And again, we can see that the, the progression, so the nature is worked out, who they are. That's the fundamental difference, is worked out to different mindsets, which then again leads to these different consequences. Now here, Paul uh, pauses on the uh, on the spirit okay we've got to wait till next week till we pick, pick up again now on things of the spirit those who are in according to spirits. here now he just develops and builds upon those who are according to the flesh uh, again those who are according to the flesh and, and those who are living for the flesh and those things that seem to promise so much, it seems to promise satisfaction and comfort and pleasure. If I'm going to get these things for me, well, it delivers death. Why? Well, we come to verse 7. And we come to the reasons why, 7 and 8. See how verse 7 begins? Just quickly, it's the word for again. It's because. Because why is it that setting your minds on things of the flesh leads, uh, leads to death. Why? Well, here's why. For because the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. People like my friend Graham. It It hurts that they're not saved. It hurts and it pains me that as it stands, God is going to judge them and they're gonna have eternity apart from him. And I'll be honest with you, there are times when I don't like that. It almost feels wrong, but I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And here's why, here it is again. what is the fundamental truth for even the nicest people and yet who are in the flesh what's going on underneath the niceness well verse 7 three things verse 7 and 8 three things firstly for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God it can be masked it can be, be masked ever so well but it is hostile, it is against, it hates. Those who are according to the flesh have this fundamental hostility towards God. And for some that is worked out and expressed very, very clearly. For many it is not. And indeed, you know, we think, well, actually look how religious so much of our world is. People, people kind of love God. There are gods everywhere, wherever you turn. Yeah, but loving those other gods, small g gods, inverted common gods, is hostility to God, the one true God. So first off, we see hostility. This is why setting your mind on things of the flesh leads to death. Well, it's because they're hostile to God. Paul goes on, verse 7, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Here's the second thing, rebels. I said before, we we love the the self-determination, the freedom to choose. We want to be in control. We don't like other people telling us what to do. We definitely don't like God telling us what we should do and how we should live. Now, those who are in the flesh... Don't submit to God's law, and in fact, no, they cannot do it. They cannot do it. Why? Well, because again, that the flesh is uh, the the mindset on the flesh. Well, it's all about me. I don't care about what God thinks. I don't care about what God wants. And then, thirdly, verse eight: those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Here they are unable. Here is an inability, an inability to please God. Genesis you know, these two cannots and how they are um, so sure, so certain. In one sense, so that um, they make us sit up and take notice, don't they? Cannot submit to God's law. In fact, cannot even please Him. Can't please Him. And again, that, that, the, the person, maybe you have someone in mind, that person who does all these, these good things, loves their family well, does their job diligently, devotes himself to serving and helping others, even in those things themselves that we see as, as good things, and in one sense they are good things, yeah, that even in those they are unable to please God, because fundamentally, deep down, they are hostile to him and rebellious. And you see that there's these these two cannots, particularly, uh, which is what makes the gospel necessary. So if someone's nature and mind is set on the flesh, that message of, look, do good, be better, try harder, keep the law, well, that does absolutely no good at all. They cannot. They are in desperate need of the spirits. Help the spirit invading. They're in desperate need of the good news of Jesus that says, no, you don't, you don't get righteous in God's sight. You don't get become innocent in God's sight. You don't get free of condemnation by following the law, obedience, by doing those things. No, it is through trusting what Jesus has done. That's the good news for those in the flesh. So the... The difference, Paul stresses, the difference between the, the non-Christian, the Christian, those who are not in Christ, those who are in Christ, those who are facing condemnation, those who are not facing condemnation. And we see that fundamental difference comes from the nature that is worked out in a mindset that leads to very, very different results. And this morning, maybe you've been coming for years. Maybe you look like every single one else, everyone else around you. you. do the same things. Maybe even this morning you've been convicted that you are in the flesh. That your mind is set on the flesh. Again, the message that you've heard so often, there is nothing you can do by yourself. You need the Spirit to come and bring life. Ask Him. Pray. Dear brothers and sisters, Paul's intention here is not to unsettle us. It is challenging, isn't it, when we start thinking about, well, where is my mindset? And when we know that our hearts are so divided still. But Paul's intention is here to to unsettle us. Indeed, as we said, this whole chapter is about giving us assurance and certainty. And so next week, I do want to just read it now. Look at verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And he goes on to explain how we're going to see that. We'll see that next week. And Paul is saying, look, you can have confidence um, for those who are who are not, in, uh, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And so we look forward, uh, look forward to that and exploring that again next week. In a moment, we're going to sing, we're going to sing, uh, God is for us. Uh, these words that come from later on in the chapter, they describe the... The wonderful thing that is to have God for us, rather than against us, and neither death nor life can ever, neither hell nor death can ever separate us from the love of Christ. Death has been defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit brings that life. Let me pray, and then we'll sing. Our Father, God, we. Thank you and praise you for the Spirit's work in your people. Lord, sobering things that we're thinking about this morning, yet how vital they are, because there's such a stark difference between those two states. Lord, we pray for your Spirit's work in us and through us as we seek to reach people with the good news of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.